I must say, after being gone for 22 years, coming into this sanctuary brings back a lot of memories, especially of us joining together when this service began years ago, and then sitting there on the pew with Brother Wayne and looking up into this choir loft and seeing this choral group from ABAC. I used to sing in that one of these choral groups from ABAC when uh, uh, Dr. Edwards and... Uh, Several others led us in George Gershwin's Porgy and Bess, and uh, brings back a lot of memories. The first thing I would like to do is thank the community of Tifton and the Tift Area Ministerial Association for allowing me to speak tonight. I would like to thank you for being here, and I would like to thank ABAC, the, the, the chamber choir, uh, orchestra, and this choral group. Don't, didn't they do a wonderful job? Brother Wayne and I were communicating back and forth, and there are so many versions of the Bible today, it's hard to keep up with. And there's so many different ways to read and interpret and all these other things, but I'm one of these old-fashioned people that believe the Word of God is inerrant, and I believe it's infallible, and I believe we can rely upon it, and we don't have to lean on anything else except His Word. But some people have a hard time understanding His Word, and I understand that, and it and so this evening's message is going to be brief, but it's going to be, I hope, something that will speak to your heart and ultimately challenge you. Because when we go through the church world, and I've been in it most of my life, I, was, I tell folks at my church, I was taken to church before I was born. And, um, and so uh, I've been a part of the church world for a long time. Not necessarily walking as I should in the church world, but I was there at any rate. And with that being said, it reminds me of a story I once heard about this man who found this bottle on the shoreline in California, and he got it, picked it up, and he tried to dust the right the sand off of it to see what it said, and he kept ripening, and all of a sudden it started shaking violently, and he dropped it to the ground, and it reminds you of I Dream of Genie, and this big cloud of smoke puffed up, and it was a genie. And he looked at the man, and he says, I will grant you but one wish. Think carefully what you want. And the man started scratching his chin, and he says, hmm, I don't know what I want. Yes, I do. Jeannie says, okay, what would you like? He says, well, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, and I'm scared to death of the water, and I'm frightened to death of the air. So I want you to build me a highway from California to Hawaii. And the genie looked at him, put his hands on his hips, and he says, are you crazy? He says, don't you have another wish? He says, yes, I do. I want to completely understand my wife. And he says, do you want that two or four lane? <laughs> Many times in the church world, we get involved with the ministry and we get involved with the word of God. And sometimes we have difficulty understanding some of the things it says. And I was telling Brother Wayne when we, we taught the other day that, you know, this passage of scripture that I'm coming from is not your typical Thanksgiving scripture. A lot of times we go to the 10 lepers or we go to other passages. But this evening, I would like for us to go in the book of Luke and go to chapter 8. And if you don't mind, I think they're going to put it up on the screens. I would like for you to stand and read this passage with me. It's several verses. We're going to begin at verse 26 and we're going to go through 39. <clears throat> and whenever y'all are ready. <clears throat> Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. Are we up there? Okay. I don't hear y'all. Okay. Y'all read with me, okay? 
And when he stepped out into the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, for he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of him. For it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And he begged him that he would not command him to get out of and go into the abyss. Now a herd of swine, many swine were feeding on the mountain, and so they begged him that he would permit them to enter into them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down the, to a steep place into the lake, and they drowned. <clears throat> when, the, when those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They also who had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus said to him, Away, saying, Return to your house and tell what things God has done for you. And he went his way, proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Heavenly Father, we pray your blessings to be added to the reading of your holy word. And Lord, anoint your servant and the listeners as we share together in the blessings of your truth. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, and you may be seated. Thank you so much. I want to lift out two verses from this lengthy passage of Scripture, but you have to get it in context to understand why this is an important Thanksgiving message. I believe we're living in a world today where we're having a lot of influences from the demonic realm, spiritual warfare, even in our day. I believe we see so many of its impacts in our culture. And for that reason, I thought this would be a good Thanksgiving message because as we shared this morning in our church service, we don't have to have a life of thanksgiving so much as I believe we need to have a life of thanks living. We need to live a thankful lifestyle. And so I want to lift out some basic truths that I find here in verse 38 and 39, and I want you to think about them. The first thing is, is the man from whom the demons had been departed begged Jesus. And if you go to the New American Standard Version, it says that he asked if he could accompany him. He wanted to go with Jesus and he wanted to stay with him. And so the first thing I see here is there is a great comfort in the process of clinging. And when somebody does something miraculous for you and something truly was done miraculous for this man because he was delivered from the possession of multiple 
uh, or a legion of demons. And therefore, we know that this was a radical change in his life. And we know also from the truth of God's word that when Jesus Christ comes into our hearts, we are new creations. We are changed radically. And so when you think about this, this man was changed. He was, he was ministered to by the Lord Jesus. And in that moment when he was delivered from those demons and Jesus became his Lord, it says that he was sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed and in his right mind. And yet when Jesus started to depart because of the, the, uh, the encouragement of the people in the surrounding areas for him to leave because they were so afraid, the man wanted to go with Jesus. And so I want you to think about something. There is comfort in clinging, but sometimes that comfort can make us fall way short of where we need to be. One time there was a man named Jim and he was hiking up in the high Sierra Nevadas and time had drawn short on him. It was getting dark and he wasn't properly dressed and he was trying his best to get to the next camp station there to where he could gain the appropriate equipment so he wouldn't freeze to death. Sun went down faster than he ever anticipated and he tried to take a shortcut of a path that he wasn't familiar with. He took a step on the wrong rock and he slid down this craggy uh, cliff, reaching out and grasping at anything because he was falling at a high rate of speed and all of a sudden he felt a big limb and he grabbed a hold of it. He pulled himself up and rolled his shoulders over the limb and he started crying out to God to help him. And the story goes that a still small voice spoke to him and said, let go. And he said, no, Lord. And he said, let go. And multiple times the Lord dealt with him and he would never release from the limb. The story is told that the next morning the park rangers found Jim frozen to death, hanging to that limb with his feet 14 inches from the basin floor. How many times do we hold on in the church community as Christians to the church itself, to the body itself, to our Sunday school class, to the, to, to the building that we, we love to come to and we have fellowship and worship. But when it comes to a time of doing something radically different and going out into the highways and byways of the Lord, for the Lord, do we really have that impact? The psalmist said in chapter 116, verse 12, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? See, when we think about thanksgiving, I believe one of the best ways we can express thanksgiving is thanks living, and that is, is to go and do exactly what Jesus told the demoniac. When the man was released from the bondage of the, of the prison that he was in, and he established his right mind, and he wanted to go and cling to Christ, what did he do? Jesus told him, no, you stay here. And I'm sure that was a very difficult process for him, yet he did exactly what Jesus told him to do, and in that process, he had to get, do something very radical. He had to get out of the new comfort zone that he had found. And we find ourselves locking ourselves in a comfort zone. And so we need to get out of our comfort zone. Jesus said for us to go into all the world, which brings me to the next point. When you look at this verse, he said, go into your house. And tell all of the wonderful things that God has done for you. Now, I'm paraphrasing there, but I want you to think about what is being said there. He is giving this man a challenge, and he is a new convert. And I want you to think about the power that is being manifested in this man's life. There is a challenge in the charge that Jesus gives. I grew up in the old days where we sang out of the hymnal. Now we sing from every method we have. We all have heard of the things called worship wars. But you know something? 
when it comes to some of the old hymns. You just can't beat the verbiage that's in those verses. And you think about one that I grew up singing and it was called A Charge to Keep I Have. And in that song, it says, A charge to keep I have, a God to glorify, a ever dying soul to save and fit it for the sky. The challenge that we have as Christians is to go out into all the world and to do what he has told us to do. In Mark chapter 15, 16 and verse 15, he says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And I think about other challenges. It's just not preaching. It's just not teaching. It is also doing things God has asked you to do. Like, for instance, teaching a Sunday school class or getting involved in the local ministry of the church that is outreach-based, something that we are to do. Sometimes we're asked to do things that are quite frightening. If you have never ridden in a squad car with a law enforcement officer and get called in an emergency and you're not used to driving at high rates of speed, it will challenge your very uh, demeanor. And sometimes you need to understand that when God gives us challenges, he is very serious about it. It reminds me of what happened over in um, Acts chapter 9 and verse 13. We all know that when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he went there and, and uh, he was smitten by the Lord. And there he was brought to a place where he needed some help. And a man was called on to by God, God through Jesus Christ. And his name was Ananias. And it was to go lay his hands on this man. And this man had a reputation. How many of us get put in positions where we're put in fearful positions of being challenged by God to do something that is out of the ordinary? And we always say, we cannot do it. But I got news for you, church. When you are with God, you can do anything he asks you to do. And what he wants us to do this, this Thanksgiving and every Thanksgiving following this one is to be faithful unto him and follow his leading and, and live that life of Thanksgiving. Even so, I'm thinking about the, the uh, Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they were there in Daniel chapter 3, we hear them tell that story about Nebuchadnezzar forcing them into that fiery furnace. But I'm reminded of those very powerful words that were uttered by these children right before they were thrust into the flaming furnace. It says, but even if he does not, referring to God, deliver them, let it be known to you, O king, that we will, are not going to serve your gods or to worship the golden image that you have set up. How many of us today are not worshiping the true God, but we're tied up worshiping all these other things? And we get so wrapped up with the world and let the world influence us. And so therefore, I ask you this, morning, this evening, when you think about getting, in that comfort, getting out of that comfort zone and then accepting the challenge that God has given us through Jesus Christ, what did Jesus ask us to do? He said to go into all the world and make disciples. That's the whole crux of the matter. That's what the church is for. That's the whole purpose. And as we think about that, think about what this man did. It says in that last verse of scripture that we read that the man went. It says not only did he go to his house, which is what Jesus instructed him to do according to the New King James Version, but it also says that he went throughout the entire city and he shared the good news of what Jesus had done. Which brings me to the third and final point is that this is, there is confidence in Christ when you go in Jesus' name. You do not have to worry about it. You can lean steadfastly upon him because the apostle Paul said it well when he said in Romans 8 and verse 31, what then shall we say? If God be for us, say it with me church, who can be against us? Do you believe that tonight? 
And when Thanksgiving is coming our way, we need to understand there is a process. Thanksgiving helps us to have a thanksgiving attitude because we've got something to give God some glory for. If you're saved and you know the Lord Jesus tonight, if you have a personal relationship with him, he has done more for you than this world can ever offer you. The process that has been, you have been blood bought by the Savior's blood, saved and set apart to do the will of God. Which brings me to the next thing. If you believe that there is confidence in Christ, we must understand that not only Paul uh, practiced it through his writings, but he practiced it through his actions as well. Which is the reason when he wrote to the church at Philippi in that, in that wonderful book, in that chapter four, there's so many wonderful statements, but many of us have committed some of them to memory. And one is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love it when people start gathering in. See, I like interaction and I believe that we need to, as a body of faith, come together and we need to hide the word of God in our heart because you can't get out of your comfort zone and accept the challenges that God gives you until you actually hide his word down in the depths of your heart. See, that's the process that gives us the strength that we need to do these things. But what's even more powerful than that verse is the one that comes following in verse 19 where he says, and my God shall supply all of your needs or my needs. But how? According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now let's go back to Luke and look at what happened here. Here was a man who was running around in the catacombs. He, he had no clothes on. He probably had bang shackles on his wrists and on his ankles and chains hanging off where he had snatched these chains in two. The strength that he had was unparalleled. He must have been a frightening sight to see. And the first thing that these men are greeted with when they put their feet outside of the boat in the land of the Gadarenes is this man rushing up to them and falling down at the feet of Jesus and saying to Jesus, what do I have to do with you, son of the most high God? And the reason he did it is because it says in the scripture that Jesus had already commanded the unclean spirits to come out. And then Jesus had to address the spirits and ask them what their name was. And they were confronted by the Lord God in Jesus, his son. And in doing so, this man was delivered. I don't know about you, but I believe the solution to the United States of America's problem isn't some government. It isn't some elected official. It isn't some program that can be put forth. I believe the solution to the United States of America's problem has to be Jesus Christ and him alone. And if the church doesn't start taking responsibility and stepping out in faith and doing what it's supposed to do, and most of the church is, but some of the church isn't, and when you're being asked by God to do something powerfully, here is a young man or an old man, I don't know how old this guy was, but here he was, just radically redeemed from possession of demonic presences in his life. And think about what happened. He was delivered and immediately put right out into the forefront of the fight for the cause of Christ. Now you think about that. And you think about the process that, that went through this man's life. And you think about the thoughts that he had. I think about the woman who had the issue of blood and she said, if I could only touch the hem of his garment, this man wanted to hold on to Jesus because that's where his comfort was. But listen, 
The church understands something. And I'm, a, I'm, I'm a very big n- nut about music. I love music. And you can ask anybody in our, our congregation that, that, that uh, I like incorporating the words of songs and stuff into messages and so on and so forth. And, and um, I know that uh, we have a lot of wonderfully talented musicians in our sanctuary tonight. But I want you to think about an old hymn that we used to sing when I was a child. Take the name of Jesus with you. Have you thought about that lately? Have you thought about that song and what it means? Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. Was that not the demoniac situation? He was a child of sorrow and he was a child of woe. It will what? Joy and comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. Now, take it then wherever you go. Where do you go? Most of us are getting up in the morning going to work, right? Most of us are getting up in the morning going to school and we're going to do something. Take the name of Jesus with you. And then the final phrase says, hope of earth and joy of heaven. What did the demoniac do? Now I want you to take note and we're going to go back in this passage of scripture. What was the reason that the people asked Jesus to leave the area of the Gadarenes? Why did he ask them to leave? Why did they ask him to leave? They asked him to leave because it says in the scripture, he, they were what? They were afraid. They were afraid. They had fear. But you know what? The scripture tells us that perfect love drives out what? Fear. And so when we think about this, it says, take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. Hope of earth. He is the hope of earth. He is the joy of heaven. And in verse 39, in in 39b, it says, He went away proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Now, I don't know about y'all, but in closing, I want to say this. I like to read between the lines in the Bible. And I'm saying to understand the historical aspects of what might have transpired after that event took place. Could you imagine that the fear that they felt when they saw what had taken place got dispelled by the faithfulness of the man who had been delivered by the power of Almighty God. What transformative powers took place in the Gadarenes or the Gerasenes, depending upon what version you're reading? What transformative powers influenced those people in that community? And the question I would like to leave with you tonight is this. What transformative power do you have at your disposal to make an impact on Tifton, Georgia and Tift County for the cause of Jesus Christ? Because this community is no different than any other community. What we need is a great revival. What we need is an influence in the power of Almighty God. So thanksgiving is best demonstrated through thanksgiving. One of the best ways we can show our thanks to the Lord is by doing what the demon-possessed man did. Go and tell the world at large. Tell your neighbors. Tell your community what great things God has done for you. And by doing so, you will be expressing true thanksgiving to Jesus, true thanksgiving to God, and true thanksgiving to your community of faith, which is your church family. 
because you are doing what they have called you to do. I pray that this Thanksgiving will kick us off into a stark understanding of what Jesus really wants us to do. Preaching's important, and you've got to have somebody call to preach, and they've got to have somebody to hear them. But discipleship and ministry at the individual level is so very, very important. And this man who was once overpowered by the demons of hell was delivered by the Son of the living God and brought to a place where he made a transformative change on his community. And I pray that we would all do the same thing. And I hope this challenges you to do that very thing this Thanksgiving and subsequent Thanksgivings to come. May we pray. Father, we thank you tonight for allowing us to come together as a community of faith to lift up the name of Jesus, to challenge us, Lord, through your word and through the stories that we've seen experienced during Jesus' ministry while he walked upon this earth. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to be challenged in our hearts that we might completely fulfill what you've called us to do as Christians, and that is to go into the world and to preach the gospel or to share what great things God has done for us. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name and all God's children said.